The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. You you get in there, Kev. That's all you, buddy. Uh, We're live today. Mountain Mike's Pizza, 3785 West, 104 South. Here in South Jordan, get by. We still have some of those uh, free minis. We'll get you free pizza just for coming through the door. And uh, Mike Smith joins us once again. Uh, you can come out and shoot against Mike. They've got a they've got a hoop out there ready to go. You can get yourself an extra free pizza. But uh, you know, your your product is very very popular. I mean, we can't keep Kevin out of it. You know. <laughs> Kevin's going home full. The the pizza's good. The location is great. We rebuilt it, and uh, I mean, it's just a fresh new look. And I think I told, well, you guys before, but this is an old brand that has thrived in California. This is the first and only store in Utah and the first of many to come. So we're, we're thrilled to be a part of it. We're thrilled to be in this location in South Jordan. Uh, I am challenging any high school basketball player to come on out to South Jordan Mountain Mike's <laughs> and take me on. Show me your skills. I had one previous... Uh, uh, customer come in, said he had tendonitis in his right oh, elbow. Oh, yeah, there's always that. Yeah, and then he said, I'll shoot you left-handed. So now I'm wondering, is this guy really left-handed? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Turned out, he, turned, turned out he wasn't left-handed, but he had game. Uh, and so he's, like, throwing in these banks left-handed as we're warming up. And I said, I said, so you don't want to shoot from the foul line? He goes, no, let's just play a game of horse. Well... I did take him down, but... Uh, uh, was it close? He was close. <laughs> a little more challenging. But I sent him hand. away with a free pizza anyway, so there's like a soft yeah. spot in my oh, heart. Look so at that. So you are a good guy. Come on out. Even if you don't beat me, you might win anyway. Uh, you guys do uh, you do lunch as well. I saw the, the buffet that was out here uh, taking advantage of this space. So, you know, good lunch spot too. I think it's one of the best things we do is uh, we will just keep the pizza coming. You pay one price for a buffet. they got fresh salad, all the veggies, your dressings, and... You just take, and it's kind of as much as you can eat. It's so awesome. It's a great little deal. This, yeah. this sounds weird to say, but uh, and I don't know whether it's true, but the pizza that I had, my taste oh, healthy almost. It, I, I don't know if it is because it's got a, a lot of cheese on there, which I, I love cheese. Yeah. But it doesn't taste overly heavy, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a very astute point, Gordon. Um, the first time I had it, this is before I'm ever involved in ownership or with the brand and corporate, uh, the guys who approached me to who, to get involved with this, I said, I'm not going to do it unless I, like, love this. Like, I'm just not. I'm not, I'm not going to be a fake, you know, pizza guy and say, I really love this. Come on out. And it's garbage, <laughs> right? So I had some. And then I told my wife about it and the kids. And then I, the next time I brought a couple home and I said, I want, want to know what you think. Because most pizza is good, hot. When it comes home fresh and you're hungry, right? You get those two factors, it's a win. Yep. Because it's hard to do pizza bad. But then I said, I want you to eat three slices each and then tell me how you feel if you're craving another one. And so the feeling that Gordon's having is actually true. Almost every other pizza I eat, if I have two slices, which is nothing for a guy my size, and a third, Time to go to bed. I'm done. (laughs) Like, I'm done. And even though there's half a pizza, I'm done. And pizza's 
tempting. It's not the best for you, but it's tempting. But as I, I learned about these guys, they make the dough fresh daily. They don't douse it in huge amounts of sauce, and they do the toppings the right way, and it feels lighter. Uh, I don't know that pizza is in the healthy food brand, but it feels lighter, tastes lighter. I want a fourth piece when I eat this, right? If that makes sense. And the sauce has a little, uh, what's the, it's, it's got a little tang to it. I mean, yeah. it's not your, it, it's, it's not your average pizza sauce. But it's it's really, you're exactly nice right. Flavor. It's not like drenched in sauce. Right. No, and and really I think that's that. what makes it it's taste really fresher that way. Uh, let's talk a little rivalry with you, uh, Mike. Because yeah. Of course, uh, you're a BYU guy, uh, and it's BYU-Utah week. What was, what was your, I guess, relationship with Utah like when you were at BYU? That's a great question. So my grandma worked in the administration office for the U. Um, I'm growing up in Southern Cal. Uh, Mom and dad graduated from the U. Mom and dad went to East High School and graduated from the U. My two older siblings had gone to the Y. So here I am coming through high school, being recruited by every school in the nation, right, for football, basketball, and volleyball. And I kind of made up my mind I was just going to play football and basketball together. So now I've limited my choices to where I would play both sports. So I'm down to UCLA, USC, BYU, Utah, and Arizona. So those are my five that I take trips to, and that's where I want to go. My mom loved the University of Utah. She fell in love with Lynn Archibald, who was the assistant coach, and just thought he was the most handsome, congenial guy. (laughs) And Jerry Pym was the head coach back then. And they thought they had, like, a little nudge ahead of BYU. Frank Arnold was the coach when I came out. Um, Gosh, he had assistants Roger Reed and a guy named uh, maybe Ken McMullen. Like, this is going way back. So your young listeners are like, what is he talking about? But anyway, I eventually decided to go play both football and basketball for BYU. So that's me on the phone with Frank Arnold and Lavelle Edwards in the middle of my senior football season in November. And I'm playing for a high school football team in in Southern California that's never lost, right? We're 10-0, headed to the playoffs. And on early signing date, I'm just so exhausted from the recruiting process that I said, let's just put an end to it. Let's go BYU and I'll play both sports one year before my mission, then I'll come back and decide. Well, Lavelle was fine with that. Frank was fine with that. But in the middle of that basketball season, Frank was fired. Hmm. So there was a little player revolt, and, you know, it didn't go well, and BYU missed the playoffs, so Frank's out. They hire Liddell Anderson from Utah State, who'd been a Utah Stars assistant coach. He'd been a Utah State head coach back in the Wayne Estes days. Then he'd been the AD at Utah State. Liddell, I didn't know, from Adam. Liddell calls me on the phone uh, two weeks before I'm flying up to come up and throw with the freshman receivers. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know I'm a football player. He doesn't know any of that. He just says, uh, Mike Smith, I'm, I'm, I'm the new coach at BYU. I understand you're coming up here in a couple weeks. And I'm like, yeah. I said, I'm going to throw with the receivers. And he goes, he goes you're, you're not going to play football, are you? <laughs> and I'm like. That was the whole point. I'm like, yeah. I, you know, I said, we just won state. And, you know, I just broke a lot of records and everything. I said, I, I love football. And he goes, very astutely, he says to me, he goes, well, he goes, don't, if you're going to play football, don't even bother coming out for basketball. Oh, really? Huh. This is the new coach. Okay. 
and I'm not even 18 years old yet, okay? So I'm not wise to the world and wise to the annex of maybe a coach who was, you know, playing this little game. And he goes, yeah, don't even bother coming out. Just have fun with football. He said, you know, we'll be fine. And I didn't know I would walk into the program and be the third best player on the basketball team as a freshman. I didn't know. I just thought, yeah, I'm going to fight for a job and hopefully I can get some time. And so I never came up and played football. I made up my mind right then and there. I was only going to play basketball. Was that, do you regret that? I mean, it's hard to say you regret it when you become a first round draft pick, right? Yeah. But if you go beyond that. Would you have been, you think you could have played pro football? I do. I think I had the right mind for it. I really do. I think I had the right mind to play quarterback. I'm, I'm an engineer. I, I dissect defenses. I think that way. I, I, I love the pre-snap reads and could predict what the safety would do. And I knew where I would go, where my first check, second check was. And had I played in that system, that would have been the best system for me. Under Holmgren and Chow yeah. at six foot ten. Well, that's what I'm thinking, Jake. Uh, Mike was a very highly thought of high school quarterback in Southern California. And I, I mean... I guess you, you just got to power forward, but I wonder, do you ever, do you ever in those quiet moments wonder what might have been? So when I was a freshman, the senior quarterback and starting quarterback was Steve Young. So whatever thoughts I had of playing college football quickly went away <laughs> when I watched Steve play every game and I was just like there's no way I could do that Mm. I mean he's just otherworldly his speed his reads his toughness his build you know I'm six foot ten he's six one and built like a running back and speed of a wide receiver right then I went on a mission I came back I was over it said I'm just basketball and then they had kind of like four four years of average quarterback play Right? I had a couple walk-ons play, and it just... Then in my mind, I was like, I could have done that, but mm. it's okay. By that time. How good was Utah when you were at BYU? So, Basketball. So football, we were... It was our dominating years, right? Over Utah. Um, basketball was always competitive. And so as I've been listening to you guys this week, and... Hans and Scotty and everybody talking about the emotions of this game. I, I mean, it hits home like a ton of bricks, even, you're, even though you're going back 35 years. The emotion of the Utah-BYU game was so real and really bigger than any championship game I've played in, bigger than an NBA playoff game, better, bigger than a high school state championship football game. The adrenaline factor, the nerves before... Uh, were so real. And I remember our coaches trying to prep us and saying, you know, it's not just another game, but you got to handle your emotions. And so, gosh, my freshman year, we had Devin Durant. He was the leading scorer in the conference. Uh, Utah had Pace Mannion. If you remember that you know name. Pace, well, oh, Pace, yeah. You know Pace. Yeah. Um, they had Manny Hendricks. Yep. Who went on to play in the NFL a little bit. They had Dallas a guy named Cowboys. Kelvin Upshaw who had five years in the NBA. Um, Trying to think who else they had on that team. But I think we won both those games my freshman year. Then a mission. Um, And my sophomore, junior, and senior year, each time we were the higher-ranked opponent, 
but each time we split, and it wasn't always a home win. Oh, interesting. There was a time where we went to their court and won, and they came to our court and won. And the one I remember the most is my junior year. And so that's when we have Brian Taylor, whose son is right there. Hey, how about um, that? Uh, Jeff Chapman, Marty Hawes, Andy Toulson, Jim Yusevich. That's a team that started the year 17-0. and We go to number two in the nation. And we lose a couple of games on the road at Birmingham, Alabama. And then up comes uh, the Utes. So the first time we play the Utes, play them at home. It's an 8.30 game to accommodate West Coast TV for some reason. And we crush them. Well, two weeks later, we're at the Huntsman Center, and we're favored by like 14 points. But at the time, we're 22-2 and two on the year, and they beat us. Wow. And it was demoralizing. <laughs> but it's one of those games where emotions played into it. They played out of their heads. And so when I hear you guys this week talk about how real this is and what an up game it is, it's so real. I think that's the most emotion or anxiety nervousness if you will it's not like i got nervous like i wasn't going to do well but you felt the weight of the game more than any nba game in my whole life hmm. were you uh, were you on that team that uh was on the verge of going uh, being number one in the country uh -huh. and then losing at uab uh-huh i uh, i covered uh the game for the la times between unlv and uh, uc santa barbara i was at the thunderdome yeah. And Santa Barbara beat them. And BYU was number two, I believe, at that time. And UNLV was number one. And then you guys go back to UAB and lose. You had to bring it up. But <laughs> maybe, maybe fans remember, maybe they don't. But two things kind of had to coincide for us to have a shot at number one. So we play a game on Thursday night and win to go 17-0. and UNLV's ranked ahead of us. Arizona with Sean Elliott, Steve Kerr, Anthony Cook, Tom Tolbert. Yeah, great team. That team, that Matt team. Muehlbach, they're ranked number one. UNLV loses. Then Arizona loses. In between, they both lose on a Friday. We won on a Saturday, Thursday night. We then take the first flight on Friday to go to Birmingham. So we're going east, and our game in Birmingham is 12 noon on Saturday morning. Mm. And we were asleep. <laughs> We just weren't into it. I don't know what it was. And we just maybe reading the press, maybe we got ahead of ourselves. But it's a team we should have beaten. We didn't. Did you have time to go to foot, uh, the rivalry game in football? Because of basketball course. had already started by then, right? Because back then, you, those, that was the rivalry game at the toward the end of November. But uh, you were allowed to go to the games to watch? I, I don't think I ever went to one in Salt Lake City, but always went to the one at the Y. And did you feel the same emotion when watching football as you did when playing basketball? Not, not, not this weight, not this weight of pressure and to perform. I mean, I don't, I don't remember ever being nervous in my life for an athletic competition like, like feeling it. This is high school until my first utah byu game mm. and then the subsequent one so i don't know how to compare the two gordon from playing to spectating obviously there's a strong boost that you're rooting for the why um to win that football game but that was more excitement and you know joy of the, the athletes all sat together so you had 
all the other sports all had their tickets together. You're just hugging and loving, and it was, it was fun times. But, man, it's a, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. If, if uh, the team that makes the fewest mistakes Saturday is going to win that game. See, uh, it's interesting. You, you talk about that year, and you were a 14-point favorite going into that game against Utah. And Gordon and I have never really been arguing about this this week, but he thinks the game, he, he thinks Utah's going to win by about 14. And I think Utah's the, the, the favorite and should be, and I, I would pick them to win as well. But I think it's going to be close because of that energy, whatever you're talking about. I mean, you, you were a team... Domino, you listed off all the players on that roster, Andy Twizzle, all those guys. I mean, that's a that's a baller team, uh, but yet when it comes to the rivalry, it's just it's just weird. It's just that that energy that makes weird stuff happen, and it's it's close. And you know, I know Utah's won nine in a row, but it, it always seems the to numbers do well. favor him because uh, seven of the nine were very very competitive. There's only been two that it was. You know, fairly. One was a blowout that Jake keeps here, and then yeah. 2019 was, you know. I find that interesting, Mike, that the, that you still feel these things all these years later. Um, yeah. And everything that you've, you know, you've lived your life, and hopefully you got a lot more ahead of you, but <laughs> but you still feel it. That, that's, that's interesting to me. It, it, it stands out as maybe the, the freshman year I didn't understand it. Because coming from California, I, I had no way to understand because everything was new. Like first year of college basketball, it's all new, right? And I'm just watching my senior captain, Devin Durant, and how he handles pressure. And he's the one I'm looking to. And so I'm like, oh, he's pretty calm under pressure. I just need to be calm. This is like practice. I'm looking at him. Now, mission goes by. I come back. I'm a 21-year-old sophomore. Well, immediately I'm leading scorer on the team i'm leading scorer in the conference all of a sudden there's a a pressure and a weight and a responsibility that comes that wasn't there before now add to it the rivalry game and just the way the coaches approached it right because the recruiting battles were big back then who's going to get the best players in the state right is it going to be utah is it going to be byu and so you know utah's history prior to me you go back six years before me you got Ainge, roberts trumbo durant you got a nice little crop. Steve Craig, Greg Balliff, Alan Taylor. You got a good crop of players, right? That well, was a team that uh, lost to Virginia in the, in the what, the Elite Eight? The Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. That's a team that beat uh, Notre Dame in the Sweet 16 with Danny's running shot. Over who? Orlando Woolridge. Yeah, that's right. Who jumped about 11 and a half feet. <laughs> and I was in California listening on the radio to Paul <laughs> James screaming. Legend. Yeah. But that same kind of years of BYU basketball, Utah has Mannion and Danny Vrains and Tom Chambers, and, and that's their best crop of NBA caliber players for a while. So, I mean, you just, under, you just understood it and you felt it. And when I became kind of the leading scorer, it was like, oh, I got to perform tonight. And I never felt that in any other contest. I just figured it would happen. But in this game, you're like, wait, now I got to play well. And I never, I never felt that pressure before. So, well, Mike, did you feel like you were a little bit before your time? Because Mike was a three-point shooter yeah. too, and that, that, you know, I mean, you look at today's NBA. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's all about, right? He's bringing, he's bringing up a sore topic, right? Yeah. Because if I were born, you know, 15 years later, I'd be a much wealthier guy, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I never thought of it then, right? The three-point shot does become part of college basketball. My first year back from my mission, I lead the conference in three-point shooting. So I was always a shooter. I don't know 
didn't matter that I was tall. It's just the way I practiced the game. But where I was ahead of the curve or born too early is that when I joined the NBA in 89, okay, you just finished the Lakers-Celtics run in the 80s, okay? Now what dominates the next 10 years of basketball is the bad boys of Piston, Pat Riley's New York Knicks, and of course Michael Jordan's greatness, right? That's all about isolation and bully ball and who could be the toughest and meanest. And that's really when I joined the NBA. And if I could have picked one eight-year window to not join the NBA for my skill set, that was the one. Right? Because if they noticed any weakness anywhere, they were just putting you down in the post and they'd just isolate. It was the ugliest brand of basketball there was. Jake loves that stuff, right, by yeah. the way. You love that style? I, well, yes, I do like it. I like it better than it is now with all the oh, touchy. no dude, way. You can't breathe See, on I'm with guy. you. I'm with yeah. you, Mike. But, yeah, I'm, but I'm a TV guy, and I want, I want free-flowing. I want I want. I get it. I want I get shooting, it. and I want fun to watch, and... And so Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash really saved the NBA, at least TV-wise. So anybody who's played from Mike D'Antoni 2003 on should thank him <laughs> because okay, of the money and how the money's gone through the roof. Mike and I agree on this. You and, <laughs> you and Bowler are leaning the other way. Uh-huh. Let's settle this on the court. Yeah, let's do on it. On the court. <laughs> Well, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't like Listen, that idea. Bowler's a free safety. <laughs> yeah. Your namesake, Jake Scott, is a free safety exactly. for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I was always proud of that, by the way. <laughs> no, the same number 13. Yeah, yeah any, MVP of the Super Bowl. And he returned punts. Stud. Uh, rest his soul. Passed away last year, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, real quick, because you've got to get your thoughts on this. BYU expected to be invited to the Big 12 tomorrow. And, fo- and football takes all the headlines, I know. But that would be one heck of a coup for Coach Pope. That would be awesome. That'd be a great, it's a great basketball league, and, and BYU would, I mean, that'd make that season a lot more interesting. Yeah, I kind of hope it happens, you know. Um, what do you make of Pope? I like Pope. Pope is different. Pope is, he's just young. Right? He's young. He's energetic. energetic yeah. he, he, he relates to the players really well. And he's fired up. He's got countless energy. Uh, I've gone to some of his practices. We've talked. And he, he just sees it almost a different way. He, he just sees the game from almost a Rick Patino kind of mindset, right? Like, okay, let's, let's push and let's drive and kick and let's get this and this. I think he's going to do great. Good recruiter. Good coach. Man, they had a good team two years ago, right? Yeah, Unfortunate, those guys couldn't have played in the tournament. That with, sucks that that happened. With that Jake Toulson and Yoli and yep. TJ Hawes, that was a chance for that team. But if Utah play, State if was play, good, too. It's yeah. too bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too bad. If, uh, if BYU, it looks like it's a done deal, this Big 12 thing. When you play in a league like that, Mike, does, it, does, it, does, it, does that rising tide lift all boats? I mean, what do you think? I just love the idea of the in-conference rivalries that will emerge from it, right? And this will be this will take some time to get some of those. But there was something meaningful when we played for a conference title. So when I played, it's the WAC. But New Mexico was good. Utah was good. Wyoming was really good. El Paso was really good. So, like, when you ask me, you guys want a couple conference titles, I'm like, those were meaningful. UTEP had four pros. Wyoming had two pros. New Mexico had two pros. Utah had, I mean, it, those, those games take on special significance. And the basketball guys know that from their conference play, but the football is kind of 
been a freelance state, yeah. right? Playing who they wanted. And but basketball got stuffed in a church league over there. And uh, except for I, I don't Gonzaga. think you, I, yeah, yeah. Except for Gonzaga, you probably wouldn't have liked playing in those smaller gyms, would you? Well, you take them, you play them as you come. Larry Bird used to say, because Larry Bird hated to travel, right? And we'd get to these little cities that he didn't like being in. And he'd say, we'd show up at Shooter on the day of a game, and he'd be like, well, he'd look around. And I said, Larry, you got something to say? He goes, we got to be here no matter what. We might as well go kick their tail. <laughs> Those were his words all the time. In his oh. book, uh, what was it called, Drive? Yes. He, uh, he complimented Salt Lake City. Yeah, he, he said it was one of the, you, do you think that was authentic? I think it is authentic. He, he felt that the fans here were very basketball literate. Like mm. they, they knew the game they were watching so they could appreciate it. They could also recognize a bad call when things weren't going their way. Of course, he played against Magic here in the championship game. And he always kicked the Jazz's butt. So, you know, that probably had listen, good memories. Listen, my rookie year... We come through on a West Coast swing, and we're going to play all these teams on the West and then come back through while well, we hit Salt Lake on the way West. And I think I'm going to play, okay? So I'm fired up. I'm just removed from BYU. So all of my buddies are still here in graduate school. And I gather up 24 tickets, and I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. I'm at the Delta Center. I'm in the green jersey and playing against Stockton and Malone. Let's go. And I get all the players' tickets and I don't sniff a minute till the final four minutes of the game. But I go in and I get three shots up and I make all three. Yeah. And one's a three-pointer. So I get, you know, yeah. I get my little points in those minutes. And my buddies after the game are razzing me like, dude, you didn't even get in. <laughs> and the Jazz crushed us. The next night we go to L.A. playing the Clippers. And I'm like, I'm not going to get in. So I get no tickets except for my family. I play the whole fourth quarter. I'm like, that was stupid. We go to Golden State the next game. So Golden State has Mullen and Hardaway and Mitch Richmond and those guys. And I think I'm not going to play at all. Because in those days, Bird and McHale played 44 of the 48 minutes. They just didn't come out. It wasn't like today where they were preserving bodies. So my brother lives in the Bay Area. My dad's up for the game. My dad's brother in the Bay Area. They say, do you want to go golfing the day of the game? Okay, I'm playing the Warriors that night. I think I'm not going to get any time. I go, yeah, let's go. We go golfing in the Bay Area, four hours, five hours in the sun. I get to the arena early because I always got my work in. So I'm out there sweating and running. We're like an hour before the game. And the coach turns to me and he goes, hey, you ready to play the four tonight? I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, you're starting at the four. Bird's starting at the three. He goes, you know the four spot? And I'm like, yeah, I know the four spot. My first NBA start, 16 points, eight rebounds, four assists. We win. I'm like, I'm never telling that I played golf the day of the game. <laughs> it probably eliminated any nerves. If he had told me the morning at shooting yeah. around, I'd have been like, oh. But it was fun. Was That's that Casey awesome. Jones? Who was the coach? No, Casey all the way up until my rookie year. Oh. Do you remember the, the, the white guy? with curly yes. hair yeah, yeah, jimmy yeah, yeah. rogers yeah i remember him his son uh -huh. was a qb for iowa <laughs> and he took over for casey and just for maybe two years okay but that was the head coach he is mike smith we're here at mountain mike's pizza 3785 mike. west 104 south right here in south jordan i didn't hear a prediction on the game on saturday no. yeah who's, who's gonna win i gotta go with the cougs but i mean 
I'm going to tell you the team that makes the fewest mistakes will win. Yeah. So not that I'm trying to play both sides. I'm, I'm hoping BYU wins. No, this game has come down to turnovers a lot. I mean, that's... Nerves, that's, turnover. Yeah, yeah. I, There's going to be a big early mistake. Let me just put that. Yeah. A pick a pick six in the first eight minutes. Wow. Ooh, bold. I like that. All yeah. right. If that happens, I'm calling you. Okay. Like, you <laughs> we're going to Wendover. Uh, he is Mike Smith. We're here at Mountain Mike's Pizza. Uh, Mike, thanks again for having us. It's, it's great uh, chatting with you, and, and truly, we love your place. This is great. Hey, thanks for being out here. Our really pleasure. a pleasure. All right, we'll have more next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Cougars at 30 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Cougars at 30 update. BYU head coach Kalani Sitake uh, says where BYU can improve uh, isn't just up to the players. I thought for game one, we did some really good things and, and we also made some mistakes. But that's not all on the players, that's the coaches too. We got to find ways to get our guys to play at a higher level. And if it means that we have to change some things in, in the game plan, then so be it. So as coaches, we got to find, find ways to make it better. This update brought to you by Davis Vision. It's the back-to-school sale. Get $1,000 off LASIK and get rid of those glasses. They're contacts forever. Call 801-253-3080. That's 801-253-3080. LASIK uh, can be an affordable option, and financing is available. Don't wait. Call today, 801-253-3080, or online, davisvisionmd.com. The best college football coverage in Utah is right here on the Zone Sports Network. We don't quit. Let's go. The Holy War is here. Another chapter in the Utah-BYU rivalry is about to be written. And your home for the best coverage of Rivalry Week is right here on the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from Mountain Mike's. Mountain Mike's Pizza, 3785 West, 104 South, right here in South Jordan. It's their grand reopening, and the pizza is so good. You've got to try it for yourself uh, out here at Mountain Mike's. Uh, coming up tomorrow is Football Friday, presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven, they say yes. Yes to free exam and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment 
today. We've got the Not Sports Report uh, coming up on the other side uh, at 4.50. We've got Tom Hackett, of course, the former Ute, two-time Ray Guy Award winner, currently works for KSL Sports. He's going to join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. And uh, thanks to Mike Smith for jumping on with us in the last segment. Mike's here. You can shoot against him. Um, it was cool hearing him talk about the rivalry. It was obviously a, a big deal to him. He said never really got nervous or felt pressure until the Utah game. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, he said he felt more emotion in that game than any other game he played, including in the NBA. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Of course, he was a major cog of BYU's basketball team. Uh, the Celtics, I think he was more sort of a, dare I say, fringe player. Well, don't insult the man. He's like 15 feet away. What are you doing? I mean, that, that's the truth. I noticed it? you didn't bring that up in the last segment. Well, why should I? There was no reason. Did to. you say hinge player because uh, the act, the offense hinged on him, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I, I'm mm-hmm. just saying. I mean, that was cringe. He's sit, sitting in front of you, and what am I supposed to do? Is it my duty to say, you know, like your NBA career really didn't turn out that so great. you insult him when he's off the, off the head fel- headphones? He's out shooting, so you know he's not listening? <laughs> no, I didn't mean it that way. Uh, but it, it does play into our conversation, I think, a little bit on how this game, uh, how this game is going to go uh, coming up on Saturday. And I, I do. I think it'll come down to who's, you know, Mike put it as makes the fewest mistakes. Yeah. But I think you can look at it, too, who's going to make a timely play. You know, maybe overcome some of those setbacks or some of the the jitters and the energy. How many turnovers in that game? Kyle, you got to say more than one. I mean, that's just kind of how the game's one gone. One apiece? You think two well, on one side and one on the other? Well, Hanson Scotty, we're talking Utah's like plus nine, I think, in the turnover category mm. over this streak. Well, I'll double-check with those guys. Don't quote me on that. But that feels about right. So The best way for BYU to cause turnovers, well, there's a number of ways they could do it. But if they put pressure on Charlie Brewer, which is something they can do if they commit the resources to it, but I don't know whether they're going to do that on the regular. Because if they do, then then uh, Charlie will be able to figure that out, I think. Uh, is that what causes turnover when you hurry up the quarterback a little bit? Or you hit the quarterback? I don't know. You, you always seem to draw that connection. I think that's one way to do it. Uh, Coach Peace, John Peace, when he was the defensive coordinator at Utah, remember his whole four in the score thing? He, uh-huh. didn't, he didn't blitz at all. His, he, but that team generated tons of turnovers and interceptions. Yeah, but did, did they not put pressure on the quarterback? I mean, it was Utah. They still had a good defensive line. But yeah. I remember the year before. Well, was, BYU's defensive line can't put pressure on a quarterback without extra I got help. you, but you remember the year before is when Nate Orchard set that record in Sac Lake, Lake City and all That's that. Right. Uh-huh. The year Peace coached, they, they, the sack totals was like a third or something like that. I'd have to go back and confirm it. Mm. But the turnover totals were yeah. double, if not more. Well, and that'll, so that'll it, help it, you win for it, sure. It depends right? on personnel, but, I mean, I, pressuring the quarterback is one way to do it. But. Uh, there are other ways that they well, can big do it, hits. too. You know, con- know, confusing defenses, those sorts of things. Yeah. I, yeah, I have no clue. I mean, I have no idea. I, I think turnovers are pretty darn hard to predict. When you know a ball's going to pop loose. Well, and, you know, 
Coach Witt uh, has brought up that one fumble uh, in the Weaver State game, I think, in every public uh, appearance. He's well, made. he hates the turnovers. Every coach does, but I think he's, he's uh, particularly stricken by that. Yeah. In fact, uh, there have been times when I've seen him standing on the sideline after a turnover, and I think... I think uh, his head spinning around with pro- projectile vomiting, I think, was uh, pretty close to that. No, it's because he's a defensive guy. Yeah, he knows probably. what a big deal a turnover can be. Yeah. Well, like uh, he talks about him a he's, lot. He's not the type of coach like tr- Ty Detmer would have driven him crazy, right? Because Ty threw 28 picks. Because Ty could get a little loose. The year, but it's he also- won, the year he won the Heisman, I think he threw 28 but it's also why he set the the yards record for college football because he was so aggressive and he would throw it and he dared to throw it and he wasn't scared of did he throw it or he just lob it out there are you really criticizing a heisman (laughs) trophy winning performance a heisman trophy winning season heisman schmeisman yeah apparently uh, First no, year, cut no, Mike Smith down in this, in <laughs> no. this segment. And, no, and he was, now Ty yeah, Detmer. No, Ty was fantastic. Who's next? Jim McMahon? You want to take a stab <laughs> at Steve Young? We had Rob Morris on uh, earlier in the show. You want to take a, you want to cut a Rob? No, Rob. I apologize. What, Those are great players. What BYU legend do you want to take a swipe at next? Hmm. Who have I left out? Watch out, Jimmer. <laughs> Gordon's coming for Actually, Jimmer, Gordon doesn't even know who you are. That's true. <laughs> so that's, the, that's the ultimate That was insult. one of the worst moments. I mean, my Hi, wife I'm was Gordon sitting, Munson. My, my wife was just sitting there shaking her head like, I can't believe you just did that. It, was and it you are? Midst, was it in the midst of Jimmer mania or was it right after? No, it was after. Like a month. Like the next day, yeah. It was like right after he finished. He had just well, been you, drafted. you got to understand, where I was sitting, I couldn't recognize that it was Were him. Were you next to him? I was next to him, but I didn't see his. I, I just saw. <laughs> I love it. Hey, hey there, I'm Gordon. You are? you got to understand, Jake. I was looking him in the eyes. Was no, I wasn't. I, was sitting. I wasn't. I was off to the side. So, I mean, I thought he looked like a, a clean-cut clean cut young college kid. Hi, young man. I'm Gordon Monson. Who might you be? Just nice hands him his coat. <laughs> Put this away, would you? And we'll have the lobster when you get a moment. Oh, that is so funny. All right, live from Mountain Mike's Pizza, 3785 uh, West, 104 South here in South Jordan. You have got to try this pizza. It is awesome. We'll have more next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver. You being an in-state guy, you grew up, obviously, with the BYU-Utah game. How long does it take an out-of-state guy to understand the level of the importance of the game? I think as soon as they step into the state of Utah, they feel the rivalry. They hear about the rivalry, especially when they get here. They know. They can feel it. Everyone's in the air about it, and they just have to join in. You join in, or you're in the way. I think this week, I don't know if anyone has to say anything. If they do, I don't want them on the field with us. I need them to have their own self-motivation and I need them to be ready mentally and to come out and ball. You guys already know this game is one of the biggest games of the year and I just need everyone to be on their A game. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Utes at 50 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Utes at 50 update. Here's defensive coordinator Morgan Scally uh, asked if he delivers a unique message to his team on this week. Uh, not not really. I, you know, the, the main thing is that nothing that is said will ever win you a game or lose you a game for that matter. You know, it's what you do on the field. It's the technique with which you play. It's being assignment sound. It's, it's knowing schematically where you're supposed to be and then showing up on game day and making those plays. So they're a very good football team. They're very well coached. And if we don't show up and play disciplined football, it's not going to be a good day. This update brought to you by our friends at Rough Tough. They set the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best fit seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle and do some business with the Utah company since 1976. Check them out today, roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from Mountain Mike's Pizza, 3786 West, 104 South here in South Jordan. It's a grand reopening. Do yourself a favor. Get some of this pizza. It's really good. And uh, they're just... uh, Trying to let the community know that they're back and uh, they're going to grow. And we'll tell you, it's delicious. It is. Yeah. Uh, so do yourself a favor again. Uh, 3785 West, 104 South here in South Jordan. Time for the Not Sports Report brought to you by the LHM Used Cars Supermarket. Uh, over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going, uh, 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 well, we're, I'm, I'm not sure where this took place, but... Uh, let me tell you a sad story, okay? A sad story, okay. A sad story. Okay. A family with three young children, they, well, uh, they bought a cat for the kids. Well, the kids grew through 14 years with this cat named Asimba and uh, grew very close to the cat. And then one night, when the cat was 14 years old, it disappeared overnight, and it never did that. It came back. It did not come back. And then the next morning when the dad went out to go to the gym to work out, he saw out in the middle of the road a dead black cat with a spot that was very identifiable for where, where Simba had a spot. And so the family was devastated. The mom said, uh, we've had her all her life, so we thought uh, she deserves a proper send-off because she's such a big part of the family. So they got a headstone, and they had a ceremony, and they buried the cat, and it was traumatic for everybody. The, ne- the next day, they were t- going to take the kids to kind of lighten the mood by, you know, getting something to eat and spending some time together. And when they went out to get in their car, Simba came walking up. So they buried the wrong cat? They they buried the wrong cat, but initially the younger child thought that Simba came back to life. Hmm. 
zombie cat. Essentially, they thought Simba was a zombie. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> okay, I want a concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a up tempo record every time I do a gif dedication. So the family exactly. went. The family went through all the trauma of mourning the loss of their cat, and then the cat comes home like that. And <laughs> Lucy, <laughs> sweet Lucy. <laughs> so uh, that's a roller coaster ride, man, because they were very close to this cat. Fourteen years. The mom said, our kids had never known a time not to have the cat. They were heartbroken. And the cat was dead, run over by a car, smooshed. And so it was very traumatic for the family. And so when Simba came prancing back up (laughs) the driveway to the family, they were blown away by that. And so so what they do, they put out an ad to find out who's cat that was but think about the weird coincidence there i killed a kitty the cat was black just like simba and had that white splotch right where simba had it you can see why they might be confused by that especially in in that state so how how, so is this a sad or happy story i i ask you this all the time how how did this become a story like is, is there someone on the cat beat or, or, or did the family Look, call the I don't want like, you asking. Hey, do I have a, an unnewsworthy story for you? I don't. I don't. We, we buried uh, the wrong cat. How is that? <laughs> I, I just don't get it. You don't think that's weird? No. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's, that story is extraordinary. Thereby, it's news. So, quit asking me. How did it become a story? I, I don't know. Somebody must have discovered it and, and made it into a story. It's too late to really think about it. Uh, it sounds, because it's, it's like, you know, cat is out of box. It sounds almost like an urban legend, but it was, in fact, a truthful Excuse story. Excuse me, miss. I, uh, I was tipped off on the tip line. About you burying a, the wrong cat. Well, see, what they did is they, they cream, had the cat cremated and, and buried, buried the, uh, the ashes. And so <laughs> I squished a kitty and then with my car. I'm, uh, so they had I'm to, the, the Bob Woodward of the cat beat. They, <laughs> and uh, I understand that, that you guys had some cat misidentification here. I'd like to write a story. Breaking story. No, How it, does it become a story? So they had to go through the heartbreak and then imagine the overwhelming joy. But then somebody else had to find out uh, a sad you know, experience. This is huge. In fact, we're going to put it out front. Above the fold. Since <laughs> when did the non-sports award have to be front page news? No, I just, I'm not even, I'm not coming at you. I just don't know how that makes it too... How does it make it from wrong cat to story? Because the family thought the cat came back from the dead. That makes it unusual. That they're dumb? (laughs) Hey, you might have been fooled, too. I doubt it. How, if it had the same markings and it got run over by a I car. I would think zombie cat. I think, wow, that cat looks exactly like the other cat we But you would, have been, you would have thought that your cat was dead, right? I don't know. 
I would have started by identifying the right cat. Well, they, well, what are they, right in front of their house? Their cat is missing, and they find an identical cat out in the middle of they the road? They must not have loved the cat very much. They didn't even know what it looked like. <laughs> Jay, come on. Gordon Monson, L.A. Times. I hear we had a misidentified cat. We've got a, my editor is pushing me. I got, I got deadline. They want to get this out front. I need quote stat. I'm Tom Broca. Tonight's a, national story. I got a photographer coming out to get art because we've got to have a picture because it's, it's going on the front page. What are you giving me that look for? Because it's an unusual story. It shouldn't be a story. I'm just wondering how it is a story. These are the kinds of stories that make the rounds these days because cat there is. Cat stories. <laughs> so there should be a cat beat. I know how to save the trip. Cat beat. The trip doesn't need your saving. How, how many more donations would they get, though, if they had a thriving cat beat? <laughs> It'd hey, have people nine like, lives. People like, like uh, pets. They like stories about pets. A section, news. B section, <laughs> sports. C section, editorial. D, -tection, D section, cats. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it would do all right. Yeah, they could well, put, if you add it in all pets, you know, cats and dogs. Put, you know. put it under Falk's umbrella. He'll get it done. <laughs> You've got Andy Larson covering the jazz, the coronavirus, <laughs> and cats. The <laughs> cat beat. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got good news. We got bad news for you. You've been hired. The bad news, you're covering cats. <laughs> you're on the cat beat. <laughs> every, 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 everywhere you go, people are meowing at you, right? I wonder if you have to wear a tail and, like, have whiskers or something. I hear you work for the trip. What do you do? <laughs> oh, I, I'm the lead writer in the, in the cat section. I'm on the cat beat. <laughs> I'm sorry why I think that's so funny. Uh, okay, stay tuned. Coming up next, Tom Hackett. Uh, he, uh, of course, former Ute, Ray Guy Award winner, covers cats for the KSLSports.com. Did you get him? I think I got him. More next, 97.5 and 1280. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Holy War is here. Kalani Sataki and the Cougars look to snap Utah's winning streak at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.